Harlots of History contains explicit language, overtly sexual themes, and sensitive subject matter. Listener discretion advised. Welcome to Harlots of History, a show by women for everyone, except children and pets, including our own. This show is created by our love of the shadier, inventive, and bold women, men, and non-binary humans that you cannot find in the history books. We will be exploring and educating ourselves, and hopefully our listeners, on infamous mistresses, lovers, sex workers, courtesans, madams, bamps, sirens, and of course, harlots. We will delve into their past, sordid or honorable, discussing the era that they happen to live in and the problems of the times. Be ready for some controversial figures. You may be surprised at how many harlots in history you end up loving or at least begrudgingly respect. So sit back, grab a fizzy drink, some salty snacks, and have some fun listening to Harlots of History, taking back the word harlot one episode at a time. All right, welcome to Harlots of History. <laughs> Sorry, I'm so excited. So exciting. Ugh. It's really exciting. We had a really hard time coming up with our name because our very first name we wanted we couldn't use. And totally, I'm so- a mama harlot. You're a pet mama harlot. We're harlot. Yep. <laughs> I'm Emily, and I'm a stay-at-home dog mom and out-of-work bartender. <laughs> that is the part I love the most. I know. I know. All right. And who are you? And I'm Karamia. I am a mama three, and I stay at home, but it, that's not my only identifier. No. <laughs> it's just one of you many. <laughs> yes. Um, many, many. Okay, so I didn't pair cocktail with this uh, episode, and but oh, the episode <laughs> is Madame de Pompadour, which I'm so excited for because she is like the original inspiration behind this podcast. Yes, yeah, she is. Mm-hmm. She is. When we this is like a concept that we came up with a couple months ago. I actually have these bar glasses that were gifted to me by a patron at the restaurant that I used to work at where Karami and I actually met. And they are these like gold plated glasses that have famous mistresses on them. So when Karami and I wanted to do a podcast, we didn't know what the topic was. And those glasses were definitely our inspiration as I was drinking wine out of them at noon, packing to move into my new apartment. <laughs> for the 27th time right now i didn't so i didn't pair a cocktail with this but i am drinking a wine spritzer and the base of that spritzer is sauvignon blanc which generally has grapefruit notes and grapefruit is also known as pomplemousse in french and pomplemousse pompadour so it connects that is a, an amazing stretch. It connects. It's a stretch, but it's good. It connects because I was at the liquor store and I bought two boxes of wine yesterday because I was like, I don't want to leave my house. I know. I figured I might as well stock up. Mm-hmm. And Karamia is drinking a um, scotch out of a snifter. Sounds fancy. She's very fancy. <laughs> okay, so let's hop into the way, way back machine and go to the 1700s. So, Karamia, what do you know about Madame de Pompadour? I know that she was obviously the mistress of, I can't remember if it was like Louis the 13th or the 14th. I think it was the 15th. 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 Okay. Mm-hmm. And I just know that 
She was a larger-than-life personality. Obviously, her, her hairstyle contributed a lot to history. She's known for that. I know she had an extremely expensive taste in clothes and jewels, but I also know that she was very smart and savvy, like, politically. Okay, stop telling my podcast. Madame de Pompadour definitely was very... She, re- like, liked the nicer things in life, but but in the sense of culture. So I, what I knew about her was... Not much, just that I just had heard the name when I wanted to do her. And then also, they also portrayed her in a Doctor Who episode. <laughs> and I was go- I was going to watch it, but they took Doctor Who off Netflix. And I actually consider getting a subscription for HBO Max. It's amazing. Do it. You have it? Yeah. Wait, why can't I borrow your password? You can. Oh, HBO Max. Don't listen. <laughs> okay, so, I, well... I should have watched it, but I I had watched it. It was just a long time ago. So anyway, Madame de Pompadour was born uh, Jean Antoinette Poisson, which means fish in French, on on December 29th, 1721. Her parents were Francois Poisson, who was 37, and Madeleine de Lamotte, who was 23. So it was rumored that her mother's husband was not her biological father and that her biological father was Charles... Francois-Paul Lenormand de Tornaham. <laughs> Amazing pronunciation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I took Spanish in high school. Obviously, that name is a mouthful, so I can see why her mom just wanted to play it safe with the last name Poisson. <laughs> I'm wetting my whistle. Okay. Francois was a tax farmer, and I just have exclamation mark, point, question mark. Um <laughs> I mean, I know what? it's probably like a misnomer a little bit, but like when you just say yeah, tax I, farmer. I looked into it and I like looked into what a tax farmer was. And then I just, I was just like, eh, I don't really care, but it's just a cool name. So right. he became, <laughs> he became her legal guardian when she was four and her father was forced to flee the country because he had unpaid debts, which at the time in France was uh, punishable by death. So when she was five, she was sent to an Ursuline convent. So that's basically just a very specific order of Catholic nuns. She came down with whooping cough when she was nine, came home, and her mother took her to a fortune teller. I presume to ascertain if the cough would kill her. I mean, even whooping cough today can be super Scary. dangerous. Oh, yeah. yeah. And they even said that Madame de Pompadour had side effects from whooping cough, you know, her whole life. So the fortune teller, Madame Le Bon, divined that Jean would capture the heart of the king when she was older. So they began to call her Renee, which means like Renette, like R-E-I-N-E-T-E. No, like which queen means, or something? Yeah, the little queen. Yeah. Which is cute. And then they started to prepare her to later become the king's mistresses at age nine, which is not Oh, cute. that's healthy. <laughs> yeah. So he was already married. He was 11 years older than she was. So basically from the time that she was, you know, nine years old, she was being prepared for this as she's just entering her early adolescence. Goodness. Um, I know. So pretty much her whole life, she was destined or made to believe that she was destined for this one role. And I I do believe in, in fortune tellers, but I also like kind of wonder if that may have been a plant to get her to that point. I mean, it could have been, it, it really could have been either way. Like they could, mm-hmm. she could have been seeing a fortune. I think a lot of fortune tellers at that time just told people what they wanted to hear. Yeah. So it's hard to tell. Uh, yeah. And I'm not saying like, I actually really do believe in that, but I do think that there's a lot of people who take advantage of that. So Regardless, that fortune teller definitely shaped her history. So her adopted dad hired many instructors to instruct her in things that mistresses need to know, which was dancing, painting, engraving, theater, arts, and memorizing entire plays. 
Because there's nothing more that a man wants to hear in foreplay than like you reciting all of, what is it? Like Tale of Two Cities or. No, no that wasn't that's, written uh, yet. That's what I was trying to think oh, of. Oh, Shakespeare. Shakespeare. No, Shakespeare was. Othello. No, he yeah. was. Yeah. He was in the 1500s. 15. This oh, is 1700s. Right. Yeah. Right. Othello. Yeah. Totally. I do like it. Okay. Yeah. She's like, all right, we'll get to it, but just hold on. Let me recite this play for five hours. <laughs> and all these unique, if, she, oh, if I had to recite a play before, like as, you know, foreplay, I would do Macbeth just so I could see <laughs> boil, toil, toll, and trouble, whatever that is. I love that. You should just start saying that in general. It's right, um, to every bed. Boil. <laughs> it's my greeting. Boil, toil. Cauldron, so, boil, and uh, toil. God damn it. I don't know what it is. So considering the magnitude to which mistresses at this time played a role in the political sphere of the men, and we will get into that later, he would have been better off getting her lessons in finances, politics, and humanitarian practices. So Agreed. I would into that. Yeah. I went into several different deep dives of uh, Louis' mistresses because I just wanted this episode. It is about Madame de Pompadour, but generally it, I wanted to generalize about, you know, mistresses at the time. And that was what um, wanting to look into this. Yeah, they, they had a huge role. And that was a huge part of me looking into these different women as well. So the role of the mistress to the king and to other powerful men served as being more than a sexy side piece. They were seen as integral into political persuasion and were often chosen as more of a partner than the wives who were just chosen for their royal blood and baby making skills. Many wives of kings did not have much influence over the decision making or if they did, they were quickly replaced by those of the next shiny mistress that appeared. So I'm just going to call her Pomp from now on. <laughs> yeah, do it. Pompadour is a lot. Um, that's how I have her in my notes. So at age 19, Pomp married Charles Guillaume Lenormand Beto, the 21-year-old nephew of her guardian. So they weren't technically related by blood, but I feel like a lot of our episodes have had people that are like related by blood. Almost, and like, there's not really by blood, but they're still like almost too close for comfort. Yeah. It's kind of how in Clueless, Cher marries her ex-stepbrother or like, which is so freaking weird. It's weird. I always had a problem with that. Ending. Always. 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 Right? Okay. Thank you. I was like, it's really cute because if he was just any other person, you'd be like, oh, like Paul Rudd's really cute and dorky. He was like your brother for years. That's weird. Oh, yeah. I don't like it. The match was very beneficial to them both and especially to the uncle who, after this match, disinherited all of his other nieces and nephews and made Charles his sole heir. So the names do get confusing in this story because everyone basically has the same name. So I'll try to, if, if you ever get confused, just... Okay, I will. Uh, I, I tried to clarify who was who because half of his mistresses are either named like Marie or Louise. And then there's a lot of Charles. As part of her wedding gift, her guardian gave her the state at Atoll, which was nestled on the edge of the hunting grounds of the forest of Sennart, where the king frequently led hunting parties, which... How freaking nice is it? To get an estate as a wedding present, as a present in general. I know. <sighs> but it was his hunting. It was where the king liked to have hunting parties. Yeah. So I feel like it was a very that strategic. Is very, like, okay. That's conniving. It is very conniving. I mean, a lot of the marriages at this point were just, you know, they weren't for love. Vintageous. Um, yeah. Yeah. Except for this one. <laughs> no. Um, her new husband, Charles, was madly in love with her. And she said, I love you too. And I will never leave you. Except for the king. <laughs> <laughs> he was on her list, you know. Yeah. That list. So, yeah, the laminated list. <laughs> it's like uh, it's like the king. I don't know who else would be on it. Brad Pitt. <laughs> when I looked into Charles 
His Wikipedia page claimed that he is best known for being Madame de Pompadour's husband, which I love. That's, that was like perfect. Yeah, you I know. It's very rare to see that reverse, reversal. Yes, exactly. Um, so he didn't really lead much of an extraordinary life. He was a finance guy like his uncle, and he was, I know, he was really, really committed to his wife. It was actually kind of sad because I feel really bad for him. They were married in 1740. He was very in love with her. And in 1745, after she met the king, Louis tried to make her husband an ambassador to Turkey to get him out of the way. But he was like, no. And so Louis basically forced him to legally separate his wife, which like sending husbands and lovers. I know. It's really, really sad. I feel really bad for this guy. But me too. Yeah. So he got he went to Paris and he was heartbroken and he felt like he was betrayed and he never forgave her. He was what what did they call him? A cuckold? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, she did warn him that she would leave him for the king, but still. In all fairness, yes, she did. Yeah. But still, I mean, imagine that hanging over your head. So he he had affairs with other ladies and I think had several children, but he never actually married until after Pomp died 20 years later. Mm-hmm. And he kind of quietly married his wife and they, they lived at this, this their, like house, you know, peacefully. Um, he was briefly in prison during the reign of terror with his wife, but he was released. And then he ended up dying peacefully at home at age 81, which is wow. basically all anyone can ask for. Exactly. Yeah. So he found love again. And he lived to 81, which I, like, was really old. It's just, like, ripe old age back in those days. I know. The elders yeah. in the village were, like, 45. I know. It's past even the expected life expectancy of now. Mm-hmm. Isn't the average life expectancy, like, 70s? 75? Yeah. yeah. So, Charles and Pomp had two children. Um, a son, he died as an infant, and a daughter, Alexandrine, who died at age 9. Which is really unfortunate that that is extremely common at this time to have children that didn't live very long. The name Alexandrine is very, very pretty. I feel like it's a kind of original for back then, mm-hmm. but I really like it because uh, Jean was married. She could go to the salons and make him a frequent visitor. So salons actually like came up with and my Je- research. Jean is Madame Pompadour, correct? Um, Yes, she is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to call her that. I, I kind of switch in and out of Jean and Madame Pompadour, but I don't think there's any other Jeans in here. So, okay. So I went into salons, um, a little bit, because I didn't really know anything about them. So basically, they were gatherings that were held by a socialite host. They were invented in Italy in the 1500s and became popular in France in the 16 and 1700s. Basically, they were just a definition of white privilege because it was all these rich people, you know, hanging out and talking about intellect. The word salon originated in France in 1664. And before that, people referred to the gatherings by the rooms they were held in. So they'd be called kitchens and living rooms. <laughs> Oh, that's cute. I know. But they actually were usually held in the bedroom. And the lady host would lounge on the bed and everyone would sit in chairs around her. That sounds amazing. I know. That sounds so nice. (laughs) To be the host, I feel like it would be weird if you were just sitting in the chair like while someone was relaxing on a bed. It's like the only time that's happened to me is like after I've had a baby. Next time you have a baby, we'll have we'll have a salon for you. We'll call it a bedroom. <laughs> bedroom. Their purpose was to hold intellectual conversations. They're basically just it was a bunch of shishi people. So Pomp Pomp frequented many salons and eventually created her own. One of the salons she went to was Madame de Tensines. She's really not important to the story, but I I get really ADD when I research and go off on tangents and like 
try to look at aspects I don't know anything about. So I, I looked at her and she was actually kind of interesting. She was the mother of a philosopher, but he was an illegitimate son that she left on the church stairs a few days after his birth. She had become a nun uh, like years back, but obviously she broke her vows. Obviously. <laughs> Yeah. One of her many lovers committed suicide at her house and she was imprisoned at the Bastille, but later acquitted. Again, not important, but it's just kind of like really interesting. Interesting. Yeah. It is. Pomp frequented these salons with her best friend, Voltaire, who seems like a very depressing guy to hang out with. Yeah. He was like her best friend. Well, I don't know if he's the best friend, but I I mean, whatever. Like, that's some pretty impressive street cred. Yeah. It's okay. They're best friends. I I decided. So. A bunch of other random people. Well, not random. They were big names, but um, Cardinal de Bernis, uh, Caribbean Phils, and Montesquieu. So Montesquieu's big contribution to the society was he got the word despotism into rotation. So that was like a really random piece of information. And despotism is a government where one person rules with absolute power. So I will use it in a sentence. Trump is a despotism. That doesn't even make, Trump <laughs> rules as a despotism. I don't even a know. Despot? I, I, I get, yeah. I, yeah, he's a despot. Yeah, that's a word. Yeah, he's not. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so, um, Palm honored, uh, honed her wit and conversation skills at these salons and became famous for these as well as her beauty. She attracted the attention of Louis in around 1742, but they did not meet until 1744. So he was leading a hunting Played party the near real his house. slow game. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, she's playing, she's doing the long con. He was leading a hunting party near her house, and she was allowed to go, but she had to follow at a distance. But she was basically just like, fuck that, I'm gonna fulfill my destiny. (laughs) And she drove her car directly into the path. And by car, I mean phaeton, which is a fancy open concept carriage. I have a picture of an American one in my notes, so if you want to look at the pictures, and it's going to be different than what these look like. But mm-hmm. that one I thought was funny because it was a, it's called the spider. And it just reminds me of when I had that convertible that was called the spider. <laughs> That's right. Uh, yeah. She drove by in a blue carriage with a pink dress, changed, and then drove back in a pink carriage while wearing a blue dress. Oh my gosh, just, I've heard this story. That's so extra. I, <laughs> I know. Um, uh, that was like my favorite part. So. He sent her a deer he shot and killed to show off his toxic masculinity. He already had a mistress at this point, which was actually kind of an official job. So Yeah, there was like a royal mistress that was like an official position, correct? Yeah, I know, which is so weird. So, but she decided to, sorry, she died in December of that year. So there was an opening, get it? <laughs> you were just for waiting for that. You were just I waiting was. for that pun. I literally it's a good one. It's a good one. It's a good one. <laughs> I appreciate it. Thank you. So, okay. His mistress at the time was Marie Anne de Mali Nestle, the original founder of Nestle. (laughs) That's not true. (laughs) It's like the the Friends episode where Phoebe with Phoebe's grandmother's cookies. Oh my gosh. That one makes me like, I would be so angry at her. Nestle? Yeah. Um, So she was, so Marie Anne is his mistress. And Marie is also the name of his wife. So we're talking about the mistress he had right before Pomp at this point. So Marie was born in 1717. So she's two years older than um, Pomp. And she was the youngest of five sisters, four of whom became the king's mistresses. He was <laughs> he was like keeping oh it all gosh. in the family. He loved the family lineage. Yes. Yeah, I guess so. So there's a weird picture of her nipping out while holding a flaming broomstick. So that's the first picture that I have. Yeah, it's I don't know. I think it's really weird. Or it's the second picture. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. 
I don't think it's a flaming broomstick. That's a torch, right? Uh, it's a flaming broomstick. What? <laughs> I don't know. It could be a torch. That actually makes more sense. But it looks yeah. like a flaming broomstick to me. She's a witch. I just think everyone's a witch. <laughs> Everyone is a witch. We all have an inner witch. I yeah. I actually I put several of the ladies on the picture on the photos just because I think they look all the same. So there's her, and then the other ones like as we get into them. But I also have his wife, and then her down there too. Marie's oldest sister. Louise Jean was the king's very first mistress after eight years of devotion to his wife. Louise was a sweet little lamb, and she introduced all her sisters at court because it made them happy. Those duplicitous bitches really only wanted to be introduced to the king so they could become his mistress. Also, I'm not negating the fact that Louis was also complicit in sleeping with these four sisters. But the sisters definitely had a political agenda as well. Mm -hmm. Um, Louise wasn't really politically inclined, and she just was madly in love with him uh one of her sisters i think the first one to become a mistress died after giving birth to his illegitimate hair hair heir <laughs> who they called demi louis which means Aww. small louis because he so resembled his father no i don't know i didn't actually read what happened to him but um he was illegitimate so he never ended up becoming an heir mm-hmm. um but after her death a mob broke into the place where her body was being stored and they mu- mutilated her corpse what? because she was quote, yeah because she was quote unquote the king's whore and then i just have insert rant about the ter- term whores here and i could get into a really long rant but i just it bothers me i mean it bothers i'm sure everyone but of course it would be on her and it has nothing to do with him him like okay a king totally has no choice in who he takes yeah. to love him. I also have a big problem with the word whore as a derogatory term. Because, like, as you know, I was like, I think we should take back slut. But I think whore is, like, it's just people always use it. And it's, like, a term for women who use their sexuality like a man would. And mm-hmm. it just, it's stupid. So, someone who threatens, honestly, it's someone, a woman who threatens men mm-hmm. by her mm-hmm. lifestyle. Yep. Yep, that's what it is. So the death as well as the mutilation of her body was obviously devastating to uh, Louis as well as to the sisters. And this is where Marie Anne came to court, so his uh, mistress. But I feel the Louis was obviously not great. Like, he was he was kind of terrible. But he actually, I do believe, kind of loved these women in his own weird way. I think that, I mean, he was obviously hopping between them. But he, I think a lot of them, he did care about. Again, in his, like, in his weird way. And I'm wasn't not the best condoning that he wasn't the worst king. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he definitely wasn't the worst king. But he also wasn't great. But there's also a lot of terrible dictators out there. So not being the worst king is, is not really saying much. Louise was very compliant to the king. But nobles of the court wanted a more influential mistress who could steer him away from Cardinal Fleury, who was his advisor. And a lot of people hated him and tried to oust him. Yeah. Like, I remember he's ext- he was extremely powerful. Powerful. Yeah, he was very powerful. He basically controlled everything the king did. And the kings at this point were just a figurehead. I mean, everyone was vying for attention and vying for power. It was insane. Waiting in line to wipe the king's butt, literally. Mm-hmm. It was like a scandal. Mm-hmm. Like the whole show of scandal. <laughs> so he would only, Fleury would only officially approve of mistresses and wives who had very little political agenda and who he saw as no threat to his power. When Marie came to court, she had little interest in the king at all because she was in love with another man. Louis, like the scheming douchebag he is, conspired with her lover's uncle to send the lover away to be killed in battle. What? But it backfired. Yeah. <laughs> 
it backfired, which isn't that like a Shakespeare play. I know it's a biblical, like they happen in the Bible, but I yeah. think it's also like something in Shakespeare. So, or maybe that happened in Shakespeare in Love. I don't know. They set her away to the American. Way different than Shakespeare, but still related. I mean, it's basically the same thing. <laughs> that movie is such a good movie. I want to go watch it when we're done. So, I don't like Gwyneth Paltrow very much. I mean, she was okay back then before she found a goop, and now she's just a goob. <laughs> Oh, amen. Yeah, no, I don't like her either, but I feel like she she was non-problematic back then. She wasn't I feel like smelling she, she wasn't selling candles that smell like her vagina then. Oh my god. Look it up. She's doing it now. What? Yeah. No, she's she not. Said, she's selling candles on Goop that said, This candle smells like my vagina. This candle smells like my orgasm. Yeah. Oh my god. I would never want a candle like that. hmm I would never want to smell that. Ever. Oh my god. Okay. All right, Gwyneth, you're dead to me. <laughs> that's gross. I mean, I, I didn't like her anyway, but that's that's problematic. So Louis sends sends this lover away. Like the lover's uncle is like, yeah, let's do it. But it backfires. So the lover returns as a celebrated war hero. So Louis is like, fuck. <laughs> that's a waste. That's so screwed up. That's awesome. I know. I know. And then, the, but the uncle's like, no, 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 it's fine. We we can still do this. So then they sent him to Languedoc, where they basically hired a woman to seduce him and then showed the love letters between them to Marie, who was like, what the hell? And then finally accepted the king's advances, which is so stupidly manipulative. So manipulative. It's crazy. Oh my God. Yeah. Again, like not Louis is totally a monster but she she wasn't really wasn't interested in him sexually or romantically and she used pretty much the only power that women had at the time her sexuality to leverage him into making her a duchess which i mean yeah you go girl Mm -hmm. her list of demands was long know your worst but one of them including kicking her sister out of court which is not cool. Louis tried several times, but Louis would always break down crying and he would concede to letting her stay a few days longer every time. So eventually Marie threw down an ultimatum and uh, Louis was 86 from court. So he was a pretty big asshole to her too before she left court when he was trying to get Marie on as his lover because he his once his attention waned he tried everything he could to distance from her including talking exclusively at their meals about how much he wanted her sister, which is a dick move. Yeah. And Marie's big contribution to society was that she invented nicknames and they were all terrible. Yeah, that was like, no, she she had other things too. But that like that was her thing is she's like, oh, I'm gonna, everyone's going to have a nickname. And they would just go around calling everyone these like terrible nicknames. Like her nickname was the princess, which is stupid. That's really um, dumb. That's real creative. Yeah. Uh, so when Fleury died in 1743, she took over as the king's advisor and she essentially became France's ruler. So not in law, but in practice. This was the mistress before Madame. Okay. Pompadour. That's what I thought. Marie. Okay. Yeah. Marie Anne. Yeah. So again, I wanted to touch on how much power behind the scenes was accorded to the mistresses at the time. They may not have been able to have the official titles of wives and they were looked down on because the sons they bore were not legitimate heirs. And thus they served no purpose to the rich white men who governed by the rule over a woman's body. But the mistresses were a crucial part to the history of France, and they should be remembered more as political advisors than as sexual ones. Mm. Louis briefly, yeah, right? Yeah, that there's they had mm-hmm. so That's much control. Yeah. And a lot of them were Influence, like ruling. Yeah. yeah. They were basically his rulers because he he didn't really have much I mean, he did have power, but it was all kind of a name. Louis briefly had a change of heart. 
when he became ill while at war and sent Marie and her other sister away, who would come to have a threesome with him at war. <laughs> and he called for his wife. So basically, he just thought he was dying and he was trying to repent so he wouldn't be sent to hell. And this is actually something that he's he had done more than once whenever he was like on his deathbed. But as soon as he knew he wasn't dying, he's like sent his wife back away and then went back to, to the debaucherous ways. <laughs> yes. So... But when Marie and her sister had been sent away, like, for the brief time that he had, you know, renounced her, they were attacked by a blood-hungry mob, and their carriage was stoned. What? Yeah. So being an official mistress afforded some protection, but an unofficial mistress or an ousted one was a dangerous and deadly job. Uh, she was yeah. eventually... Well, not eventually, like, I think pretty quickly after she was restored. And many feared that she would get revenge for the way she was treated when Louis was trying to be a good person for... 30 seconds. <laughs> and it didn't last. He didn't do a good job. So she died of stomach pains right after her arrival. Poisoning? Yeah, she thought it was poisoning. She said on her deathbed. It, I, it may or may not have been poisoning. Also, like, there were so many other factors that could have contributed to it at the time. I, I think that it's probably very possible that she was poisoned because I think that was a, but again, speculating. She also could have just, you know, there was poor hygiene and rampant bacteria back then right oh she could have gotten like the most gnarliest food poisoning oh i know but i think it also makes sense because i feel like poison i feel like people got poisoned a lot back then i really <laughs> like, you don't really hear about that now. no never now no i know i think it's maybe because we know about poisons and now. also nobody cooks for anybody anymore <laughs> i do i cook all the time i was being sarcastic i do too yeah i was like we both cook but i'm not poisoning anyone I'm not poisoning anyone. Um, <laughs> Say that one more time to convince yourself. <laughs> so, okay. So I, I just want to talk a little bit right now about Louis and his wife, and then we'll get back to Madame de Pompadour. Okay. Um, so Louis the Fifteenth was born in 1710, and he took over from his more famous Greek grandfather, Louis the Fourteenth. So Louis the Fourteenth and Louis the Sixteenth were was Louis the Fourteenth the Sun King. Yes, I think so. So he took over for him when he was only five years old, and his his great grandfather Louis the Fourteenth he ruled for seventy two years. So that was the longest in French history. I know it's a long time. So Louis the Fifteenth was fourth or fifth in line for the throne, but everyone died of measles or smallpox within like a pretty short period of time. He was actually saved by his nanny. When he and his brother both had measles and the doctors were bleeding them and the, the his older brother died, but she refused to let the doctors draw any more blood, so which is a solid choice on her part. And she ended up saving his life and cementing his place in the history books. But of course, we don't ever hear about her. Yes. So I'm sure she <laughs> was not given a an estate or I a... Know. <laughs> like you just... Yeah. So Louis was called Louis the Beloved, but... That was basically just a name they gave him when he was five. Because everyone's beloved when they're five. Yeah. They're like, oh, he's so cute. But he didn't really do a good job of beholding it. So he went the Duke of Bourbon, which is the best name ever. And I want to be the Duchess of Bourbon. <laughs> <laughs> was the like king regent until he became, I think, 15 was when he was able to be king. So he married Marie. Oh, God. Lej... Shishnishka. 
Oh, God. I'm so sorry. She's a 21-year-old daughter of a deposed Polish king. There's a lot of uh, S's and Z's in this word. So this Marie we're talking about is his wife, which I think would be so confusing to have a wife and a mistress with the same name. Actually, I think that's like a godsend. Yeah. You, you never you have could, to worry about screwing up or shouting out someone's name during sex or whatever. It's yeah, but can same. you imagine texting the wrong one, though? Being like, oh, it's such fun last night. And they're like, what, what are you talking about? I didn't see you last in night. In his case, you're in Cleveland. He was, what, he was <laughs> messenger or a pigeon or he sends a messenger fox to the wrong room the fox is really confused (laughs) the fox goes to the wrong room so she was a 21 year old daughter of a deposed polish king she didn't meet society's expectations of beauty which are trash but uh, a lot of guys wanted to marry her because she was smart and nice and graceful which i would like have such a hard time because i am such a klutz so i obviously wouldn't be a good queen her financial Issue raised a problem multiple times in marriage arrangements. There were originally 99 ladies on the list to, oh my God, insert joke about 99 problems. Right. right 99 problems, but a queen ain't one. <laughs> so the literal, like, <laughs> minimum requirement. proud of that. <laughs> was to be a Catholic princess. Like, that was, like, all you'd do to get on the list. And so she met that. She was taken off pretty quickly, but eventually put back on and chosen because she didn't have strong political ties and she wasn't really a threat to any of his advisors. So the Duke of Bourbon was the regent, and he, he was suggested as a match for Marie. And his lover, Madame Dupree, was cool with it because she didn't see Marie as a threat to her. When Louis became sick, though, all focus turned to finding him a new potential match because they wanted to have an heir and seal the royal line. He was engaged to an Spanish infanta who was still a child, and so she couldn't have kids for, like, several years. Yeah, it's, it's so stupid. Like, as now... All these like rich white guys in a room telling women how their bodies should be used, which hasn't changed. We haven't broken the cycle yet. All right. We won't get into that. So the Duke of Bourbon and Madame Dupree wanted her because they thought that she would be indebted to them for elevating her social status to that of queen. And Flory was cool with it because he didn't see her as a threat to his power. So Louis and his wife, he was he was really excited to marry her. And he thought it was really cool that she was seven years older than him. He thought he was like marrying like a cougar. Cougar. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. There's a picture of her with her son in the photos. It's Mm -hmm. right next to the picture of him. And her son looks just like her. It's really, really cute. He has like a spitting image. Yeah. It is cute. So she had her first. She fucked up. Her first two children were twin girls. And then, the next, and then the next one was a girl. But her fourth child, she finally got it right <laughs> and had a son. Yeah, I know it's so stupid. And I'm, I'm saying we don't all even need to talk about that. We all, we are, uh, we all. Yeah, I know. They, the same. Well, so the, their first two children, he was really excited about because I think he, they told him he couldn't have kids, so he was so happy. And then the next, he was like, oh yeah, well, yay, I'm a father. We'll have a son next time. And then they didn't. She, and then he was sad, and which ugh, I just. Ugh. So terrible being like a girl in that time and having just your birth be a disappointment. Yeah. Yeah. They Flory pretty much like put her on house arrest until she could have a son. He's like, you're not going anywhere. I know. Yeah. It's not great. So she had a son on the fourth try. All in all, she had 10 children, eight of whom were girls. And there, yeah. And there were only two boys. Only one of the boys survived, which was Louis, and he. Please tell me, all the girls survived. Um, I think five, so. Seven of the kids survived to adulthood, so five five of the girls survived. Yeah, 
So a lot of them. So Louis got bored of her after eight years, multiple pregnancies, and a refusal to indulge in the vapidness of other court ladies, such as the practice of wearing makeup, which is so stupid. That just makes me so mad. She had all these kids, and then it's like, he just, he ditched her because of, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Trash. After the birth of her daughter, Louise, the doctor said that another pregnancy could kill her. And so he was not allowed to come in her bedroom or come into her bedroom. (laughs) (laughs) She either get fun too. Yeah. So she, yeah, she had 10 kids in the 1700s. Like no shit. Stay the fuck out. (laughs) Marie wasn't politically inclined and she attempted to get involved a few times. But I think Cardinal Flory was like, don't talk, tell Louis, like, don't talk to her about court matters. Women shouldn't be involved. He really wasn't able to hold his own at court, the king, and he was always jumping women and getting distracted by the next shiny vagina. His mistress, Hicks, became more political, partially because of or in spite of Flory. His big legacy was the step, like, disaster of the Seven Years' War, which resulted in France. France's loss of many colonies in the New World, which is the tragic reason why none of us speak French. And... <laughs> And it changed oh. the course of history in the favor of drowned tea and tri-cornered hats. <laughs> oh, yay. No, oh, God. So, in 1763, there were some policy changes to the way grain was exported and sold, which led to rumors that the government was trying to starve and consequently rid itself of the poor. And they called this a starvation pact. And that was one of the factors that led to the French Revolution. So, a lot of the things that led to the French Revolution happened during this time. Okay, now we can get back to Madame de Pompadour. <laughs> so soon after Marianne, the mistress, died, and after Louis had comforted himself by sleeping with her sister, he invited Jean to a mask ball. I know, he's a monster. He's like, I ran through the whole family and... Yeah, except for he, one. One girl. Hopefully she refused him. Yeah, or like was marrying a really hot guy. <laughs> okay, so he invites her to this ball. She Pompadour, dresses- correct? Yes, Pompadour. She dresses as Diana the Huntress, which is an homage nice. to their hunting encounter. Yeah. And he dresses as a tree. Not so nice. <laughs> I know. And I actually, I also put a picture of the tree that he dressed as on there. A yew tree. <laughs> it's a yew tree. Yeah. Rather so portly. You can, yeah, it is. And you can, so it's like, you can kind of see how he'd be able to do that because it was him and like seven other dudes. So, oh my God, I almost just knocked over my wine for the second time today. The yew tree is actually known in Celtic tradition to symbolize death and resurrection. I don't know if those beliefs are shared by the French, but if you look at it that way, it's really interesting following the actual death of his mistress and the metaphorical resurrection in the form of Madame de Pompadour. So he publicly declared his affection for her after popping out of the yew tree disguise. Which surprised no one. Yeah. <laughs> I just imagine it like, like where's you the play king? hide. Yeah, like as a little kid and they're hiding behind a lamppost and you like can't giggling. find them. Like, yeah, like you can't find me. So within a few weeks, she had an apartment at Versailles above his. In order to present to be presented at court, she had to have a title. So that was a common a common thing with the mistresses. They had to have a title and usually they were given like a quote unquote job. Which mm-hmm. was oftentimes waiting, or yeah, they were the queen's ladies in waiting, which is so messed up. Like the poor queen, <sighs> I would be so mad. But that was a common practice back then. It doesn't make it right, but that's what I mean. That's what a lot of people did. So the, he bought her the title of Marquis, the Marquis of Pompadour, which is the Marquis is a nobleman. Mm-hmm. So it was like the Mar- Marquette, which is the woman. So she. Madame Pompadour Pomp, was one of the few who actually got on well with the queen and she respected her in her position. According to an NPR article, Queen Marie supposedly lamented, quote, 
If there must be a mistress, better her than any. And no, oh, that's a compliment. Yeah, so, I know. Yeah. So I think, you know, she was, she actually respected the queen and, you know, was very nice to her. So similarly to his last mistress, she yielded a lot of power in her position. And as his advisor, she basically became the prime minister. But of course, she didn't get the title. In 1755, an Australian, or Austrian diplomat approached her to help forge the first treaty of Versailles, which is wow. a big deal at the time. And I for, I was like, oh, I know that name. And it's not what I was thinking, which the treaty, the treaty of Versailles, I think we know of, was the one that ended World War World I. World War I, yeah. Yeah. So there have been four treaties. Um, this one was the first one. So it created an alliance between France and Austria, which cemented their allegiance in the Seven Years' War, where France, Austria, and Russia fought Britain and Prussia. Pomp was pretty much blamed for the losing outcome, uh, which resulted in the British control over the colonies. So that was 20 years before American quote-unquote. And that was all pinned on her? Wow. Yeah, a lot of it was. So that was right before the quote-unquote American independence. I can also see why kings wanted political mistresses now, because they have people to pin stuff on. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I heard the other day, I said, like a, I saw a thing. I posted it on my Instagram. I don't know if you saw it, but it was, Independence Day is white people's freedom from fancier white people. <laughs> <laughs> I did see that. <laughs> I know. It's like really funny. Pretty accurate. So Madame de Pompadour is widely remembered as a duplicitous schemer who used her feminine wiles to sleep her way into the position of prime minister. So basically like what we were talking about with Matahari earlier that, you know, they just thought these women were like using their bodies to get power. You know, that's all they had at the I time. Mean, I and honestly, singly, though, have never heard someone sleeping themselves all the way up to prime minister. You have to have more than just sex to get there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. It really does a disservice to her uh, as everyone at Versailles was was climbing all over each other to get to the top, as mm-hmm. is really common with a power hierarchy. Uh, so singling her out is just not fair. She's less known as a lover of art who helps cement Paris's place as a European epicenter of fine culture. She even bought a porcelain factory, learned how to engrave fine gemstones, and was a large influencer of the Rococo style, which is oh. the ornamental ar- yeah, the ornamental architectural style that was really prevalent at Versailles. It's it's very it's very fluffy and bougie. Yes. whatever you yeah. know, it's very floofy. I guess I want to say it <laughs> is very floofy. Nice to look at from time to time. It's floofy. She was a prominent actress and would perform plays at her private theater in Versailles. So I guess those lessons in memorizing whole plays came in handy. She even had her own printing press and an extensive private library. Cool. Yeah, she was a really good artist, and there's a ton of stuff she did with engravings and, like, on stones and stuff. Wow. Yeah, she, like, that was, like, one thing that she, they knew she loved art, so they didn't know, like, till recently that That's she, yeah. So she appointed ministers who were able to create economic policies that pulled France out of bankruptcy and propelled it into its seat as the richest country into the world. In the world, she protected the physiocracy school, which taught the economic theory that land agriculture was the center of wealth and gave birth to the teachings of Adam Smith, who is the father of capitalism. Hmm. She defended the encyclopedia pedia, <laughs> against <laughs> against critics and allowed which allowed for its publication. Wow. She did all this. Yeah, she did all this while constantly fighting off her haters who represented her common up or resented her common upbringing and poked fun at her family name of Poisson. So, yeah, she did a lot. She was an outdoorsy travel chick who excelled in many feats and she was able to do what many of the other mistresses were not, which was keep the king's attention. Hmm. In 1750, so this is five years after she became the mistress, her role shifted from mistress to friend of the king. Due to the decline of her sexual appetite, the doctors tried their damnedest to fix her libido by feeding her mushrooms, celery, and vanilla. Vanilla. <laughs> 
And a shocking twist, it didn't work. <sighs> maybe, maybe her sexual appetite decreased because she was having to endure recurrent bronchitis, spitting blood, constant headaches, the trauma oh. and after effect of three miscarriages. Oh my gosh. Yeah. An undiagnosed leukuria. Which so it is a thick white or yellow vaginal discharge, which is caused by an imbalance of estrogen. So as you can imagine, that would not put you in the mood. Yes. I'm yeah. already out of the mood just listening to that. <laughs> I know. I know. So uh, this is a quote from an NB article uh, about Colombian art historian Susan Wager, who discovered a leather art portfolio containing pompadour's etchings about five years ago. So I'm just going to read this passage. Quote, there's this famous line. The king only loves you for your staircase, Wager says. Referring to the circular staircase Louis constructed at Versailles to connect his room to his mistress's room. But I think it means so much more than that. This idea of the staircase as this mediating passage. She was mediating between members of the court and the king. They would say, I want to say this to the king. And she'd say, no, wait, let me tell him. Let me translate it into my own words and I'll come back to you. She was, in all sorts of ways, manipulating this idea of the staircase, of the passage. In an artistic, in an intellectual, and in a political way. End quote. Yeah, so she had a lot of political power, and she isn't remembered for that. Yeah, which and she had. She was just also a very creative, interesting person. Yeah, and she did a lot for like the culture that we now know. Woman. She was a Renaissance woman. There was also religious pressure for Louis to cut ties with his mistress, which was another reason she friend zoned him. Gotta she love loved that Catholic Church. Ugh. I know, my God. She loved him dearly and even accepted the happenings of the Parc au Sheriff, or the aptly named Stag Park, which is a house where he would meet with his mistresses. She was quoted as saying, quote, it is his heart I want. All these little girls with no education will not dig it from me. I would not be so calm if I saw some pretty woman of the court or capital trying to conquer it, end quote. The rumors spread that that Stag Park was like a giant harem where women were captured and kept for the king's pleasure with Madame Pompadour as his actual madam. But according to historians, it was it was occupied with one woman at a time, and she accepted his ex- its existence, but didn't really have anything else to do with it. She died in 1764 from tuberculosis at only the age of 42. Wow, she lived such a full life. I know. <laughs> she was so young, but she had she did a lot. Louis stayed by her bedside and nursed her while she was dying. He wasn't allowed or decided not to, in accordance with custom, attend her funeral because she was a commoner. So, I mean, he he was the king. He could have gone, I think. And he could have also, like, at, on her dying bed, be like, I make you the Duchess Marquis or Marquise or You're something. You're my queen. Yeah. Right, you could have made her something. Yeah, I know. So he could have gone. Well, she was already a mar- marquise, though. But I think it was because that title was just a title, and that because she was like born a commoner. I don't know. It was stupid. Classism at its finest. He was forced to watch some carrier casket away in the pouring rain while snow patrols chasing cars played in the background. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's at the scene. That's at the scene for me. <laughs> right, a uh, year. So he had a rough year because a year after her death, his son and heir died of tuberculosis. The only one, right? Yeah. Y- yes. But his son already had like three other sons at okay. this point. So basically they're like, yeah, it's fine. The succession's secured. But he's like, that's my son. You know, I feel like grief at death at that point, you know, no people weren't really allowed to, to grieve because death was such a common thing. Yeah. And then his wife, Marie, died a few years later. 
think from heartbreak and she never recovered from the rapid succession of deaths of her son, father, and then daughter-in-law. So I think she she died in in 1768. So Louis himself died in 1774 of smallpox after a 59 year rule. Uh, And that was second only to his great grandfather. Yeah. So after his current mistress, Madame Dubarry stayed by his side, regardless of the contagious nature of smallpox. He once again repented his sins on his deathbed and kicked her out before finally succumbing to the pox. <laughs> all right. And then that's that's all I have. So, wow. She's just like, she's actually like pretty cool and normal for how infamous she is. I know. It's the same thing that we were talking about with Matahari. If you look at the lives of the women behind what they were shown as, you get a bigger story than what we were just used to be seeing. Right. And like, I don't know. Yeah. It's like weird. Like how she was actually like pretty progressive for her time. Mm-hmm. And yeah, like, she was. Yeah. And like the king even like loved her for more than just her, you know, body and her sexual appeal. Yeah. I mean, I think he was really, really in love with her. Mm-hmm. I mean, again, like he was really vapid and not great, but I do think there was some part of him that did have love for these women. Mm-hmm. At some point, even if it wasn't long-lasting love. Mm-hmm. Pleading love. Yeah. He forever loved like a teenager. Oh my gosh. His love lasted the length of a song. <laughs> teenager. Uh, yep. <laughs> oh, well, good job. That was really interesting. I learned a ton. I didn't really know any of that. Yeah. I mm-hmm. learned a ton about this too. And that I think that's like, you know, we're learning right along with everyone. So I think, right? it's, I think it's good for us. After I'm done doing research for an episode, I feel like way more smarter than I did, way more intelligent than I did before I started researching. <laughs> I know. I do too. Mm. So do we want to do talk about our, our happy, happy moment? Yeah, you go first. Oh, okay. Um, I don't have one picked out. Okay. So <laughs> this is like, I don't know if this is a happy moment, but it's a very long story. But my, my partner has, he's got an autoimmune disorder where like mold spores are, are very, he is very affected by them. So we're having an issue with some in our house right now. So we currently have one bed in one room and then he's sleeping on an air mattress in the other room because it's the only thing that's not affected. And so until we get a new mattress, we're having to figure it out. So last night we really wanted to watch a movie, but he can't come in the room with the bed that is like contaminated with mold spores. So we had to move the <laughs> we had to move the TV into his office and set ourselves up on this air mattress and just to watch a movie it took like an hour to move everything but was it worth it it was and what movie did you watch we watched um it's a new one that just came out on netflix we didn't even finish it it was the old order with charlie saren or the old guard we only got like halfway through but i'll (laughs) go but yeah it was it was good so yeah i just thought it was funny because we were laughing about like how much we have to do to just watch the movie at this point. But yeah. Oh, that's sweet. That's cute. Yeah. <laughs> well, my happy moment is just from this week. Uh, we live pretty much on the east side of Seattle. So we live pretty close to the Cascades. Um, and this week we discovered an alpine lake. And it was the most beautiful thing I had ever been to. The water was so clean you could drink it. And we got to pull up our truck right to the edge of the water. And my son and I got to go wading through mountain streams and have just a amazing I know that, that lake looks so so cute. 
Yeah, it was the highlight of my week. I know. It looks so cute. I like I I, I, I want to go there when I come visit. I know. Well, I'll try if we're allowed to leave our houses ever again. Right. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, I know. I'm okay, avoiding well, airplanes right now. That's it for this week, though. I've got to go tend to my screaming children upstairs. Oh, that sounds fun. Can you hear them? Yep. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for tuning in, and we will see you next week. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Thanks so much for tuning in, guys. Our music is by Lloyd Rogers, and our cover art and our editing is by us. If you enjoyed listening, we would be tickled if you leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can always email us at harlotsofhistorypodcast at gmail.com. We will do our best to respond with something cute, snarky, or boring. We are also on Instagram and Twitter as Harlots of History. We love you all, even the haters. Bye.